What keeps you from sharing the good news? Do you know why we don't share the gospel so often? It's very, very simple. We don't open our mouths. It's that simple. God's hooked it up and set it up right then and there. Not only has he set it up, but you can tell when you look that waitress in the eye, something's up in her life. You could tell. You don't know what it is. Like God hasn't given you a word of wisdom, like everything about, it, about her life. But you can tell that instead of just asking for your food to be thrown on the table, that you need to ask her, you need to ask her, how are you doing? That's an evangelistic question. Did you know that? How are you doing? And as that answer unfolds, you begin to search by the Holy Spirit using you all of the secret places of that waiter or that waitress's heart. And she just opens up and says, this is how I'm doing. This is amazing grace. This is unfailing love. That you would take my place. That you would bear my cross. You Win, disciple, and send. We say it often around here at Calvary Church in Aurora, Colorado, as really that's what the church is to be all about. And as we'll see in a moment, it was also the focus of the Apostle Paul's ministry. Today on Abounding Grace, we'll be confronted with the question, does our heart break for the lost? As we hear about Paul's deep love for people that didn't know Jesus, allow it to stir your own heart to winning people to Jesus. Here's Pastor Ed Taylor in Romans chapter 9. Does our heart break for the lost? I ask myself that question before I ask, ever ask it to you, and you know what? I have to answer, not always. Not always. There are times in my life where my heart isn't busted up over the lost. I'm distracted, I'm diverted. I'm, I mean, there are times when I don't care. There are times when this world and everything in this world and even, even Christian things can take me away from the reality that God has put me on the planet. He has rescued my life. He's cleansed me from all of my sins. He's entrusted me to the care of the gospel, whether I was a pastor or not, to see other people get saved. And how does the heart of Paul become a heart of Ed Taylor or the heart of you? How does the heart of God, because it's not Paul's heart, naturally Paul came against Christianity, remember? Naturally, Paul hated Jesus Christ. Naturally, Paul didn't care. Naturally, Paul tried to destroy. He tried to destroy the church. Remember the story? He's on his way to Damascus, and he gets busted and saved at the same time. God flips his life around. He's born again, and he receives a new heart. So how does God's heart become Paul's heart, become our heart? I'll tell you. I'll tell you, it becomes our heart well, as we yield ourselves to God, he changes us. We're open to him. Paul had a love for people that didn't know Jesus Christ, for people that had never heard the message, that didn't have their hearts filled with peace or confidence or hope. His heart ached and it broke over those who had no assurance of where they would spend eternity. And he wanted us to know, especially for the Jew. Look at chapter 10, verse 1 of Romans and he says, look, I'd rather be accursed. I'd rather lose everything for the sake of their salvation. And he says in verse 1, brethren, my heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel is that they may be saved. 
And that's the prayer for people in your life, isn't it? Your heart's desire is that those in your family and those that you know and those that you're connected with would be saved. I know there's a lot of tension, a lot of battles, a lot of things going on, but I'll tell you the solution is to see a person get saved. Things change radically. Just to be passionate about the things of God. You know, the heart of Paul for the Jews was the same heart that Jesus had. The Bible tells us that Jesus wept over Jerusalem. He wept over the Jews. He would come through and he looks and he says, oh, how often I wanted to gather you together to myself, but you were not willing. And he wept. He wept not in just a way where a couple tears came down. Well, let me show you an example. Look at Luke chapter 19 now. Flip back to Luke 19. His heart for the lost, well, it's our heart for the lost. And his heart was just along with Paul's for the Jew. See, there's not five ways to get saved, guys. There's not ten ways to get saved. You know, when you look at the world religions today, some of them trip people up, and, you know, there's just isms all over the place. There's Hinduism, there's Buddhism, there's, there's Islamism. I just made that one up. But they're all isms out there. And, and people think, well, you know what? They're all kind of serving the same God. They're not. Jesus Christ made it very, very clear. He said, I am the way. And I am the truth. And I am the life. And no one comes to the Father except through me. And all those isms are just distractions to keep you away from the truth. The truth is this. Apart from Jesus Christ, the Bible says, you're lost. You're unsaved. And you face a hopeless eternity. But you know, I don't even need to tell you that because you're living in hopelessness. That gets masked with all sorts of things. Keep yourself busy. Keep yourself drunk. Keep yourself out. But just go, go get 10 jobs so you never have to think about your soul. You never have to come to reality about the lack of peace that you have. You never have to really deal with terms where when you put your head on the pillow at night and you put up the front to everyone in life, but when you put your head on the pillow at night, you know in your heart of hearts, you know you're not right with God. I don't even need to tell you of the eternal significance of not placing your faith in Jesus Christ because you already know. You already know the difficulty. And you know Hinduism is not going to lead you to God for salvation. Buddhism is not going to lead you to God for salvation. Being a Muslim is not going to lead you to God for salvation. And being a Jew, apart from faith in your Messiah, Jesus Christ, is not going to lead you to God for salvation. All those paths, they will lead you to God in judgment. But only through Jesus Christ can your sins be forgiven. It's only in him. It's a simple faith. It's a simple acknowledgement. It's simple in the sense that you realize, you know, my, my life isn't right with God. My sins haven't been forgiven. But God has offered me forgiveness through Jesus Christ, and I receive that. It's that simple. Oh, it's simple on your part. It's not simple from God's perspective, because from God's perspective, it cost his only begotten son a great sacrifice. In Luke chapter 19, see, Jesus' heart for the lost in any category of life, any category of life, a person apart from Jesus Christ is lost. And look at his heart as he walks through in verse 41 of Luke 19. Jesus is crying here. He's not just crying like dropping little tears. He is weeping audibly to the point of exhaustion. This type of, this word in the original language leads us to the understanding this kind of crying was convulsive crying. It's the kind of crying where you cry all night and you run out of tears and your body aches for the next four days because you just can't stop crying. And notice what he's crying over in verse 41. 
It says, as he drew near, he saw the city and he wept over it. Saying, if you had known, even you, especially in this, your day, the things that make for your peace, but now they're hidden from your eyes. If you just would have known, if you just would have listened, if you just would have surrendered, if you just would have given in, if you just would have listened and followed the teachings that you've heard your whole life, the Messiah is in your presence. You see, by this time in Romans, for Paul, because it's got the, you have the heart of Jesus Christ in the heart of Paul here, that for us, we ask the question, does my heart break for the lost? And I pray continually that it does. See, for Paul, by the time those that were Jewish were listening to this letter, they could have been really upset with Paul, thinking, you know, Paul, you sold us out. You were one of us. And now you're spending all this time in the Gentiles. There were two categories of people in the time of Jesus. There was the Jew. And in the Jew's mind, if they kept all of the things of the law, they would be right with God. We know even back in Genesis that it was by faith. It wasn't just this ritual that men and women were saved then just as they are now by faith. So there was this category, this religious category. If you're Jewish, you're okay. It doesn't matter what you do. And that's what Jesus came to change. And then there's another category. You hear the word all the time, Gentile. For the minds of the Jews of that time, the word Gentile just simply meant anybody that wasn't a Jew. That's all. And the way to cross that gap between Jew to Gentile. If a Gentile wanted to be saved, it couldn't be by faith. They had to then cross that gap and become a Jew and be circumcised and go through that whole ritual of becoming a Jew. And Jesus comes and says, no, 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 no. wipe that all out. It's by faith. And Paul comes and he says, no, 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 wipe that out. Jesus said it was by faith. And even today it's by faith. It's not by religious affiliation. It's not by the way you were raised. It's by your personal faith. And so here's Paul, he's spending all this time ministering to the Gentiles. And by now the Jews could say, you know what, Paul, we aren't listening to you. Who are you? You don't even care about us anymore. You don't even care about the Jew. You sold us out. You don't want to be a part of us anymore. You know, when a Jew would go out like with John the Baptist and be baptized, they were turning their back really on all that they were learned and all that they received. They said, I'm going to follow Jesus. And Paul, he made the same decision. And by now the people... Well, every place he went, he would preach the gospel. And an uproar would develop as you read the book of Acts. People get all mad and, and there'd be, you know, if they didn't throw him in prison, they'd kick him out and try to kill him because of the gospel. That was what followed Paul. And I'm sure Paul was being accused of being upset with the Jews. And because he's upset with the Jews, of chasing him around and beating him up all the time and trying to kill him. And now he's going to preach this new gospel. It wasn't a new gospel. It was the good news that a person could be right with God. It wasn't new. And Paul just wants people to understand, especially those that were close to him, that even though everything has changed around him and he's been born again and now he's a passionate follower of Jesus Christ, he loves the Jew. He loves the Jew. His heart is to the lost, no matter what category they might be in. Flip over now to Exodus chapter 32. As we think through the changes, some of you might have been raised in a very, very religious home. And you were saved and you've left that religion behind. And all the trappings of that religion and all the worship components of that religion. And you've exchanged it for a very simple relationship with Jesus Christ. Be very, very careful to follow the example of Paul here. Not to become, well, so many people come out of religious backgrounds... And when they come to Jesus, they get upset. 
And they get mad at their upbringing. They get mad at the religion they left. They get mad and they start being upset. And if you're not careful, you could even become very, very bitter and go, I've wasted all these years in something that wasn't true. And let me say, I think it's important to follow the example of Paul here. Because remember, we've learned already that nothing's wasted by God. And although there were some years that could have been spent doing other things spiritually, hey, listen, today's the day of salvation. Today's the day God's working with you. And I think it's important that you not get mad at the church that you left, that you not get upset and frustrated at your parents, perhaps, for the direction they took you, because they were just doing what they knew the best that they could. Don't let it get you all bitter and upset, but follow the example of Paul here. Love your friends, love your family, even love those that might have been left behind in the religious tradition that you left. Love them to Jesus Christ. Don't get all upset about it. I mean, have the broken heart of Paul here. I mean, what God put in Paul, I I think he wants to put in us this brokenness. I mean, just like it is here with Moses. Moses is up on Mount Sinai in Exodus chapter 32, and he's receiving the law. And as he's up on Mount Sinai, the people down at the base of the mountain aren't obeying. Aaron decides, you know, we got some idle time here. Let me have all your gold and all your earrings. Let's all melt it down, and we'll build ourselves a little calf, and we'll call that our God, and just have a party until Moses gets back. Thanks, Aaron. Appreciate that. That's really good. I appreciate you leading everybody into the presence of the Lord. So we pick up in verse now 7 of Exodus 32, where this whole scene is being unfolded from the top of Mount Sinai. And the Lord said to Moses, go get down. For your people whom you brought out of the land of Egypt have corrupted themselves. (laughs) Isn't that great? God says, Moses, they're your people, man. Go take care of them. Oh, man. Sounds a lot like the talks between husband and wife, huh? You know what your son did today? Oh, and everything bad, it's my son. Everything good, it's her son. Yeah, all right, all right, all right. <sighs> they've turned aside quickly out of the way, verse 8, which I commanded them, and they've made themselves a molded calf and worshipped it and sacrificed to it and said, This is your God, O Israel, that brought you out of the land of Egypt. And the Lord said to Moses, I have seen this people, and indeed they are a stiff-necked people. They were. They, that's been the pattern. That's, the, that's going to be the pattern as you watch through the children of Israel. They, that's why the generation dies in the wilderness, because of unbelief and being stiff-necked. Verse 10. Now, therefore, let me alone that my wrath may burn hot against them and I may consume them. I'm wiping them out, God says. I'm done with it. I can't. Look at them. Look, you weren't even up here for too long. And look what they're already doing. It's your right-hand guy. It's your assistant. What's going on with them? And look at the offer. I don't know if you've ever seen it in this light, but look at the offer God makes to Moses. Hey, Mo, by the way, I'll make out of you a great nation. I'll wipe them all out, Moses, those stiff-necked, I'll get rid of them all. It'll just be me and you. And between me and you, I'll create a brand new nation, Moses. They will all come out of you. Now, I don't know, between verses 10 and 11, we're not told what goes on. But in the flesh, I could tell you, I know what he would think if he was not walking spiritually. He'd be like, hmm, Wiping them all out, huh, Lord? Hmm. And making people just like me? I can hang out with people just like me. You're going to make a nation out of me, and it'll be not Father Abraham anymore. It'll be Father Moses, had many sons. The whole song will change and everything for me? For me? You're going to do it for me? I don't think that took place at all. That's just kind of our 
a holy, sanctified imagination. Because in verse 11, we see, Then Moses pleaded with the Lord, his God, and said, Lord, why does your wrath burn hot against your people, whom you brought out of the land of Egypt with great power and a mighty hand? He says, they're your people, Lord. Why are you mad at them? Uh, we see what they're doing. I mean, Moses, this is a soft heart right here. Instead of saying, you know, I'll take that offer. I'll take it. You know, sometimes you have these battles with people and, and it seems, well, here's the offer. I'll take them out of your life. If you're not careful, you go, yeah, take them out of my life. Get rid of them. I don't ever see them again in my life. And that God says, what? It's just a test. See where your heart was. Do you really love them? Are you really heartbroken over them? With that agape love flowing from the Holy Spirit? And so Moses goes on to defend his people. He says, no, don't wipe them out. Keep them. Don't let your name be dragged through the mud, God, by wiping them out. Don't let your reputation be harmed. And he says in verse 14, the Lord relented from the harm which he would do to his people. And then Moses goes down and he has to deal with his own anger issues. But with Paul, can you imagine feeling like Paul does? Can you imagine just having the heart that breaks over the lost? It's a supernatural love. It's not one you can create on your own. You can't take a Bible study like this and say, okay, I'm going to be the most loving person. I'm really going to try hard, try hard, try hard. I'm going to grip my teeth. I'm going to bite my tongue, and I'm going to be a very loving person. That's not love at all. The love of God flowing through us is not gritting our teeth and biting our tongue, but walking through and seeing people the way Jesus sees them, laying aside the difficulties in their life and seeing the potential of what they could be if they were saved or what they could be if their life was right as Christians, and right now they're backsliding, or right now they don't really care. That's supernatural love. And God has put that supernatural love for people that don't know Jesus Christ into our hearts, along with the motivation to share it. And that's why our energies and our efforts need to be as a church, as believers, not just the gathering of believers that's known as Calvary Chapel, but believers, just people that love Jesus Christ. Because the love of Jesus Christ, as it grows, will be a love for the people that Jesus died for. They go hand in hand. We can't create evangelistic zeal. We can't stir you up and say, okay, everybody, let's go out and share the gospel and come back and report. It's no. Please seek the Lord Jesus Christ, and he'll lead you, and he'll guide you, and he'll use very natural situations to open doors for you to share the love of Jesus Christ in very practical, very simple ways. Could it be a time where God gathers a group around you and you get to share the full gospel message with them? The, the brokenness of a life because of sin, the need to repent from sin, turning from sin, turning to Jesus Christ, the need to recognize and to realize that as Matt, no matter how good you might be, the righteousness of Christ is perfection. So as good as you might be, you'll never be good enough. But God has provided a perfect substitute for you that the righteousness that God provides is the righteousness that he requires, and that if you'll accept Jesus Christ, you'll be made right with God. You might have the opportunity to share that to 15 people or to one person, but listen, it's the supernatural power and love of Jesus Christ flowing through you that will give you. You know why? Do you know why we don't share the gospel so often? It's very, very simple. We don't open our mouths. It's that simple. God's hooked it up and set it up right then and there. Not only has he set it up, but you can tell when you look that waitress in the eye, something's up in her life. You could tell. You don't know what it is. Like God hasn't given you a word of wisdom, like everything about, it, about her life. But you can tell that instead of just asking for your food to be thrown on the table, that you need to ask her 
You need to ask her, how are you doing? That's an evangelistic question. Did you know that? How are you doing? And as that answer unfolds, you begin to search by the Holy Spirit using you all of the secret places of that waiter or that waitress's heart. And she just opens up and says, this is how I'm doing. And then you're there with the hope of Jesus Christ and you find out, well, she's not unsaved after all. She's just backslidden. She's been battling against God all these years. And you're like the 50th Christian that's showed up at her table. And she's like done with it. Okay, 50 is enough. I hear you, God. And then you hook her up and you plug her into a church near where she lives or you bring her here and you hand her a CD or you get her a book that's near where her heart is or she doesn't have a Bible anymore. So you take her a Bible and you begin to see that word by word and person by person, the Lord uses us as a fellowship to participate in winning a person to him, discipling a person in him and sending a person out. And we leave here today in Romans chapter 9 before we ever get into all the theological things, which we will, with the question, does your heart break for the loss? Does my heart break for the loss? I'll tell you, here's some things to look out for. If to judge and gauge where your heart is, if it's really broken, listen, broken hearts, you know, a broken heart in a Christian doesn't pay attention to the fear of sharing, just goes right through it. Because there is a legitimate fear. I don't know what it is, but you get over it after a while. You really do. It's not that big a deal. You know how a lot of people have fear of speaking in front of people and I did I know I had that fear at one time. I didn't want to stand in front of anyone and have them look at me and, you know, they give you all the tricks. Even the tricks mess you up. You don't want to do any of the tricks. You just want the strength of the Lord where you can look somebody in the eye and say, you know what? Jesus Christ loves you. And broken hearts just don't deal with the, they don't, they don't cower in fear. Broken hearts, you know, when you look at a broken heart, Broken heart doesn't care about whatever sacrifice is involved. You know, some of you are incredibly talented in what you do for a living. You're just incredibly talented. But if you're not careful, it'll only be a profession to you, only a way to feed your family. That's the only way you look at it. When God may just have you drop something for someone and they say, well, okay, what can I do, to, what can I do for you now? How can I pay you? You go, you know what? Don't pay me anything. This is just on the house. I, I, don't, I don't want anything from you. What do you mean you don't want anything? You just spent all this time in my house. You just spent all this time in my car. You just spent all this time, and you don't want anything for it. You know, I don't want anything. Why not, man? Why, why don't you? I'm a Christian. I just want to bless you. I, I don't want anything in return. The, the gifts, the talents, all the things that I do, it's because of God in my life. And get, that's another open door, right? You go, no, 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 no. No, just take an apple pie. Okay, take the apple pie, all right? Just take the apple pie and enjoy it. <laughs> But we live in this society that says, no, all your gifts and talents, just make a lot of money, put it away, charge whatever you want, don't give anybody a break. And listen, that just pushes people away. Bless people. You think God's not going to hook you up because you desire to bless people? I'm not saying give everything away and go out of business. I don't know. Maybe the Lord's telling you that. I don't know. But think about it. Think about how this world ingrains in you. You know, learn this so you can make this. And, but Jesus is saying, I've gifted you here, so freely you've received, freely give. And it becomes another opportunity to bless people in the name of Jesus Christ. Say, so, you know, I'm just doing it for the Lord, that's all. It's my time is your time. I'm here to serve you. And you'll see barriers and all sorts of things break down in people's lives when they see true sacrificial love coming from us. Just helping them in the name of Jesus, letting God sort out all the things all the financial part, let him sort it out, because he'll bless the giver. He will bless. 
You're listening to Abounding Grace with Pastor Ed Taylor. If you joined us late or would just like to hear this message again, turn to AboundingGraceRadio.com. Or you can listen through our apps, too. Search for Calvary Aurora in the App Store or Google Play. If you take a brief moment to write or call, that would make our day. Let us know the station you're listening to and if today's study was a blessing to your life. We'd also love to pray for you. You can email us through the website at AboundingGraceRadio.com, then click Contact. Abounding Grace is made possible through the support of our listeners. We're consistently hearing from people that are growing by God's abounding grace as they take in and apply the Word of God. Your gifts help to make that possible. And when you give a donation of $25 or more to Abounding Grace, you're invited to request a copy of Chuck Smith's book, Faith. Maybe you've wondered, what is faith? Where does it come from? And how does it work? Pastor Chuck explores those questions and many others that relate to the issue of faith in this helpful book. Request it today when you call 877-30-GRACE. That's 877-30-GRACE. Then be sure to join Pastor Ed Taylor next time for more teaching from Romans. That's right here on Abounding Grace. This is amazing grace. This is unfailing love. That you would take my place. That you would bear my cross. You Abounding Grace is brought to you by Calvary Church in Aurora, Colorado.